Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sydney Chronicles is a Media Chronicles production. It is another week, so therefore it is time for another episode of the Serie A Chronicles with me, Patrick Kendrick, alongside Nikki Bandini and Mina Rizuki. We're very excited about breaking down another weekend of Serie A action. And as ever, we will have our weekly bonus pod as well. We're going to be discussing the first team of the capital, Lazio, against German giants, FC Bayern München. But that's all to come. First of all, Nikki, Mina, how are you getting on? Good, yeah. I've just about recovered sleep. I did stay up and watch the Super Bowl on Sunday night. Um, as Me a lot too. of listeners already know, I well, did you? I used to cover it. Um, in fact, yeah. I covered it even last year. So I, it's not a rare year for me not covering it. So watching it from England was different. Who but... were you cheering? Sorry, I didn't see that. Well, I, I was, I, I didn't tweet about it really until the end of the game. I was just enjoying it in my own company, which was quite nice actually as a change from, from being there. Oddly, I quite enjoyed just sitting there and, and just enjoying it. But um, it was, um, I enjoy being a neutral for games like that and getting to just not worry too much. But I did live in Missouri for two years, didn't I? So I've got Oof. friends in Missouri and Kansas oh, City. Oh, God. So you're going from a Kansas. Oh, it does, doesn't it? It straddles two yeah. states. There's like Kansas was, City, Kansas and Kansas City, Missouri. Yeah, I was I devastated. Well. Mm. Devastated that the 49ers. I mean, I full on started crying. No, oh, wow. I was so upset. But it was a great game. It was one of the mm-hmm. best Super Bowls I think I've had. I really, really enjoyed it because it was so on a knife edge the whole time. And I just thought everyone had talked about, you know, Kansas City's defense and the 49ers offense. And I was like, no, their defense is really good. Their defense is really good. (laughs) And I was so impressed. But McCaffrey, oh, my God, him and Mr. Universe. I was so done with Taylor Swift, you know. Um, I loved Olivia Culpo and McCaffrey. And, oh, it was just the 49ers, man. I really, really fell for them. So never mind. I, but. The, the, just quickly on the Swift Kelsey thing, because <laughs> I feel like I've had this thought and like, I haven't, don't think enough people have gone with me. Like, 
This is America's Posh and Bex, right? Like you couldn't have. I was going to say Shakira and Piquet, no? Shakira okay. and Piquet. That's such a low level Posh and Bex. <laughs> How rude. I love Shakira. She's much, I mean, she's much bigger as a star, but Piquet is not Bex. I don't know. Piquet, Piquet. Yeah, love Piquet. But Nikki, yes, I agree with you. This is a posh and bake. So this is the American version when he's like, oh, yeehaw. And she's like, oh, my God. <laughs> he's like, he's he's so perfectly American in a way that uh, David Beckham was so perfectly English. English, and, yeah. And they're like the right fame profile. You're talking about someone who, um, you know, Kelsey probably isn't the best ever at his position, but he's one of the best ever at his position. Um, and she's obviously Definitely. the best, one of the best exactly. ever. Yeah. internationally iconic huge superstar so I, I i just i feel like not enough people have made that comparison to me so i wanted to i wanted to say it here on I our like very it. important pop podcast although i am i am more of a fan of alessandro matri and federica narci but uh, that's <laughs> oh, yeah i like them yeah i like them all the time and i'm always the wondering when they do good yeah when they do these interviews with diletta and i'm like aren't you scared that like matri is gonna look her way like i would be a little bit like you know? <laughs> Like, even though I'm Federica now, like, imagine, you know, there's still that part of me that's like, it's Diletta, right? You know, like, she's a hot. Anyway. <laughs> right. Before we get into uh, all of the chat about the actual football, let me just give you all a reminder that you can sign up to our Chronicles to Fuzzy membership on Patreon with a seven-day free trial and listen to every available podcast episode in your free trial period in full and 100% ad-free. And then you can decide whether you want to stay on as part of our Chronicles to Fuzzy community. Also, make sure you do join the community chat in the Patreon app. And why not give us a five-star rating? Because Mina will threaten you otherwise. Yes. And a review on Apple Podcasts, Always. Spotify, or wherever it is you're listening. It helps us to be found. So, as I mentioned, we will be doing a uh, deep dive later on this week, um, talking about the uh, the Champions League. But first and foremost, we need to get into... This was a weekend with two massive games on paper, and they... Well, one of them delivered more than the other one, Roma Inter, and, and then we have Milan Napoli, uh, and also a significant game involving Juventus, Mina. But we're going to get on to that because Juventus's importance in the title race is diminishing by the week. So therefore, we can't lead with them. We have to lead with one place, Daniele De Rossi, who at half time was on course for four straight wins until it all came crumbling down in the second half. Inter again flexing their muscle. This, I'm not sure what the story is here, whether it's Inter and their resilience as well as their ruthlessness or whether Roma have shown again enough positives to prove that they can be a force going forward. Mina, which is it? Were you more Camp Roma or Team Inter this weekend? To be honest well, with you, this is one of the Inter few games. You're, Ventina, <laughs> you're not a Mina. Yeah. This, this is one of the few games in which, you know, like sometimes <laughs> a lot of the times you watch something and you're like, well, it, it is because this team's really crap, right? Like it was like when I'm talking about Lazio and Cagliari, I'm like, well, it is Cagliari. Um, and I was speaking over the weekend about, anyway, never mind. I don't know what I'm getting on here. I'm saying this is a bit of both. I was <laughs> really expecting Daniele De Rossi's Roma to be gobshite. You know, if that's even a word that I'm allowed to use. I don't know why I expected that, even though they had three wins in my head. I'm like, they're going to be Apparently overestimating their... I thought, you know, you're, they, you're definitely going to be overestimating your talent at this point, you know, like, um, and you're up against Inter, you're going to leave all these defensive gaps, and this is Inter, right? And then they really went for it. And I and started to actually 
create all these difficulties for Intersight. And I was really, honestly, I was so shocked. And it's made me view them entirely differently, to be honest with you. They actually are that good. I, they haven't overestimated themselves. Um, they've, they were absolutely brilliant in the first half. And what they've learned is that you can't really sit back against Inter. You have to go for them and you have to try to attack them. And they don't like it when you, when you do go for them. We've seen that with Sassuolo. We've seen that with, for example, Real Sociedad in the Champions League. It's constant suffocation. Um, it's taking uh, risks going forward. And I love that that Daniele De Rossi is Roma is doing that. It's a very dynamic team. And I'm going to honestly say that had they had an actual striker that's not Lukaku, then maybe they would have been up there as well, you know. But it was actually their two stars, uh. in Lukaku and Dybala, who didn't perform for them. Inter are always going to be resilient. Inter were always going to, going to check back and find their way to do that. But I still feel that this is the problem that we have with Roma, is that they can't hold on for the full 90 minutes. We saw that in the first two games when sometimes they tire out and they start clinging on, you know, just to secure the win in those 2-1 victories. And this is, it was a bit exhausting the way they play. So they've got to find their right rhythm because right now it's a bit too much going forward. But both impressive for me. Yeah, De Rossi Nicky said after the game, I think, that that was the mistake that, that Roma made, wasn't it? As soon as they went 2-1 up, they then started to be caught in two minds. Can we now protect this lead? And that almost worked against them, whereas in the first half, they had been so bold and, and refreshingly so, compared with what we saw before. Sorry to bring him up against Jose Mourinho, the predecessor. It's, it's like night and day, isn't it? Yeah, I think you were asking, Mina, which the story is. And, and for me, the story has to be De Rossi. It just does. Mm. And I, I think, like... One of those things that you get asked a lot when you cover football is, oh, who do you support? Who do you support? And, and, and I really mean it when I tell people, when you cover a sport for a long time and a league for a long time, what you end up rooting for more than um, a team or anything yeah. is, is storylines. And yeah. it's just so impossible not to root for Daniele De Rossi, who grew up in Rome, who is a Roman, who was in that academy, who was Capitan Futuro, who was then the captain, when he's standing in ridiculous like suit jacket in torrential downpour soaked through to his skin <laughs> and he's got that big beard and he's just roaring <laughs> and they're winning 2-1 against Inter like it's 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 a story that you sort of want to believe in um and he 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 made he's made this team believe in itself I think in ways that it didn't under Mourinho and and who could be surprised because Mourinho was constantly tearing someone out was constantly knocking people down and saying well we're not good enough to do this we're not good enough to do that and and De Rossi has taken this completely opposite tack where he said from day one actually even when they were talking to him he was interviewed right after he got the job about oh why didn't you ask for there to be an option in your contract to extend if you go well and he said I we don't need parachutes here. We've got good players, got a good opportunity. We don't need fallbacks. We're going to go and, and be good because we can be good. And he's continued that narrative. He said before this game, any team can lose, Inter can lose. And they approached that half like they believed it. I mean, Stefano Shirawi getting Soma to tip the ball over his crossbar in the first minute of the game, um, coming back from a goal down and a goal which you could have easily turned into a negative narrative in your head because there was some controversy about players in offside positions um, rebounding from that. And I think that all of that is what I feel most strongly about this game is that he's brought back a completely different energy to this team. I think that what you saw in the second half is he hasn't resolved all of the issues with this team and that he's got some tactical, maybe even some tactical naivety in, in his team as well, because 
the second goal in particular, Barelan and Pavard have so much space, it's absurd. They, they, they have mm. as much time as they want to do whatever they want. So it's not a balanced team right now. Mm. Um, and I think you can also talk about individuals, talk about Angelino, who's coming from Galatasaray, scored the own goal, but he, actually on that second goal, he was uh, a headless chicken. He was completely lost on that mm. as well. So After an encouraging so, debut against Cagliari, yeah. But obviously yeah, that shows so, the levels, doesn't it? Mm. Exactly. Um so for me, De Rossi is the narrative, and I think you don't come away from this with a complete answer about whether or not he's going to resolve everything. But I think it was a far more competitive performance than I expected from his team against Inter. I think, as Mina touched on, if Lukaku takes his chance at 3-2, this could still very easily end as a draw. And, and I think that, again, everything he said at the end to me felt right. He said his whole bit about, um, look, Luciano Spalletti always said, you can't accept compliments after defeat. I'm a son of Spalletti because that's how you become mediocre. So that was a very Didossi thing to say, I thought. But he also said, look, Inter didn't steal anything. I also think a, a draw would have been a, a reasonable result. And I agree with all of that. I think Inter didn't steal anything. They were the better team. But if it had finished as a draw, you wouldn't have turned around going, well, they didn't deserve that either. And the other side of the coin is Inter in the sense that, again, we saw this same subplot. Essentially, it, it, it seems it's, very, it's a little bit reductive, but it boils down to... Inter replaced Lukaku with Marcus Turam. He scored the winner in the reverse fixture. He scored a goal here. He basically scored a second, albeit it was eventually given as an own goal to Angelino. And how much of an upgrade is he on? Mina, I know you don't need much encouragement to, to talk badly <laughs> about Lukaku, but I mean, it does show, doesn't it, that Inter is almost a, a, um, a lucky escape for Inter in some ways because they wanted to bring Lukaku back and then he was flirting left, right and centre and eventually they were the jilted lovers and they've gone from strength to strength. I mean... Inter just winning every single game. Sure, I mean, we've said it for a couple of weeks now, but it feels, especially as we'll touch on Juventus in due course, it feels like the title is now theirs. Oh, I think the title's very much theirs. Um, but I, I think that it's it's also important because Inzaghi wasn't available for the first half. And apparently he was screaming on the phone, um, ranting and raving about pushing the fullbacks further forward um, and trying to make the tactical changes required that we that saw this strong Inter afterwards. And what I think is incredible is that Inter don't need to be amazing for 90 minutes. They're good enough to be amazing for only a certain number of minutes and win. And that is very much sort of the emblem of what Juventus were during that nine that nine year win and Inter is just perfecting that and they have the players capable of it so they can face all the, the problems they can face but they know how to find the solutions and I think that's what's so impressive but Marcus Turam it, it's interesting because he was talking about you know how he is a striker and what he looks for and how he tries to improve because he watches so much football but it's also the fact that you know there's been conversations with his father nightly about his father's role as a defender and how he can expose defenders or just put them in a, in a, in a position in which they're scared. And what ends up happening is he's provoked two own goals in back-to-back games. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that that's, you know, we can talk about the fact that Gatti and Angelino aren't exactly the world's greatest defenders, but it's incredible how much of a mess he puts them in that they end up Absolutely. scoring the goal because they're so scared of him. And, and I think that has... lots of penalties as well this season as well. Precisely that. He knows exactly how to make himself enough of a nuisance when he can't score a goal, to annoy the defender into and, and, and create the situation where there's a known goal. Um, 
um, or a foul or a, a penalty given away. And I and I think that that has a lot to do with the intellect that he plays with. He is a very intelligent player who's come up in a lot of the big games and made a difference. He is the perfect companion to, to Lautaro Martinez. And Lautaro Martinez has also brought out the best in him because you see how much Duram is so much better alongside him. Um, obviously, other than the fact that this is a brilliant midfield, but in the second half, it was like clear that they something had gone wrong. You know that we, we are now going to get back into knowing that we are into and we can win this, um, and it, it doesn't require much to be honest with you. But in the first half, I was also quite surprised by Pavard. Um, I was like, you know, where were you <laughs> in the derby? You were like the man, you know, and now you're just losing people. But I also just. Um, I also want to go back to the fact that, you know, when we're talking about De Rossi and all the wonderful things he said, did you not find it very interesting that once upon a time, Mourinho thought all the referees were against him? There's this controversial goal. Is it offside? Is it not? VAR calls it back. And there's De Rossi being like, no, this is absolutely a goal. Friedkins, I got you. <laughs> I'm going to be a really happy-go-lucky guy who doesn't think the referee smart, against isn't us. Me. I, th- I think he realises the best PR is to be the complete opposite of Mourinho. I think this yeah. is a little bit of playing yeah. into that as well, I think, absolutely. Now, yeah, I, th- I, yeah. I, I just want to say that I, I, I mm. completely agree with Mina um, on, on this, and I, and I completely agree with you as well. I think part of it is, is just thinking we're changing the tone here and, and we stick with that. So you say, for my idea of football, that's, that's a goal the rule is written in an ambiguous way, which it is. Um, and in is terms of in terms of the decision, <laughs> I, I I can completely understand the logic why it is a goal because Patricio is free to move to the side of the goal where the ball goes, even though Turam is on his shoulder on the other side. I, I struggle with it because there are three players in offside positions and one of them is right next to the goalkeeper. And I think to say that that's not interfering with play in some way to me is is a, is difficult conceptually but I think that if that's how you're applying it and Delossi's whole point which he sort of dropped in there was yeah you know I think it's a goal but you do see these things applied differently and and that's forever the problem with the offside rule you do see these Mm. things applied differently at different times but I I I just think he's he's being really smart and I think I I honed in myself on the the sideline and the image and and the vision of Delossi which is I think really powerful because I do think that part of being a successful football manager is vibes but I I do think that another part of it that we also shouldn't miss is that he's being smart. He's he's doing things that are intelligent. He's he's brought El Sharawi into that team because he wanted a runner. He wanted someone who'd be direct. And El Sharawi was the best of the attackers in this game, as you already touched on, Mina. Um, he's also, I think, reviving Paredes in a way that I didn't expect. Paredes was really yeah. good in this game, I thought. Uh, and I haven't had many great things to think about Paredes um, before Rossi came in at Roma. So I I think he's... And Pellegrini, think he's six goals in four games. Actually showing the, some drops. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But it, it is. It, I know, right? Like, it's Pellegrini's role because what I, what I found so irritating with Mourinho and what he honestly always used to say as well in his press conferences is how much... Um, and how important Dybala was to the team. It was very much like, you know, no Dybala, no party, right? So relying entirely on this one boy, to do, man rather, to create everything for you on a creative level and make sure that he sews up all the departments was cre- was weird when you have people like El Sharawi, when you, you know, he is a, a, a direct runner, when you have the creativity of Pellegrini, who has really shone and just also on a tactical level, his positioning. I think the way that he's been used is so excellent and really... 
this is the Pellegrini that I always wanted for my team. Like Pellegrini was the one player that I always wanted from Roma. You know, like they gave us Pjanic, but once upon a time I dreamt of Pellegrini. You know, and and I do, I do feel like I'm I'm glad that that's finally being exploited. So it, it just offers you something else where when there is a game where Dybala isn't at his best, like we saw against Inter. Um, Nikki, isn't it you that used to like come at me when I used to say he doesn't really show up in these big matches? <laughs> I just wait to send you snarky texts whenever he does show up in a big game. That's my yeah. whole thing. I swear to you, it's like she's there every single big game being like, ha, look, Dybala showed up. Always got to keep receipts. Right. I'm conscious of time. I think we're going to have lots of deep dives over the course of the coming months, waxing lyrical mm. about Inter and the way they've swept all before them. And I yeah. also think we're going we're gonna to consider what the future looks like with Roma under De Rossi if he's able to stay on beyond next season. But... This game had a massive impact on the title race. And it, it does feel to me like that Milik sending off against Empoli now is the sliding doors moment of the Scudetto race. Milik doesn't mm. get sent off after a dozen minutes with the scoreline goalless between Juventus and Empoli. Juventus probably go on and beat Empoli into start <coughs> behind Juventus in the title race when they have to go away to, to Florence. Instead, Juventus draw playing with 10 men into win in Florence, into then win the Derby d'Italia, into then win again away at Roma and Juventus have now taken one point from a possible nine after they were beaten at home by Udinese last night. We're recording this on Tuesday, Monday night. And wouldn't you know it, Lautaro scores the winner to end Juventus's <laughs> title bid. Lautaro Gianetti, who I'd joke. never, that was who the I'd never I heard had of. Oh, sorry, Nicky, sorry. Uh, yeah, um, <laughs> astonishing, <laughs> astonishing. I mean, Mina, I've got to start with you here. Juventus, I'm, I have to say, I didn't see much football this weekend because I had my sister and her two kids staying, which was lovely. Um, so uh, I did uh, a couple of games Friday night and then Saturday, and then I was free to spend time with them. So uh, I'm very much the layman presenter this time around. Over to you guys. Talk to me. Everything we need to know about the Juventus game. Underwhelming, I hear. I mean, this is the thing, right? I mean, when you start to, to when you go with Keza and Milik up front, um, there was a, a deep disconnect. This was a team that we thought had turned a corner in the sense that they started off the season by scoring one goal and holding on and um, showing us, you know, their, their ability to suffer through it and to ensure the win, despite how poor the, the game could be. Then obviously we thought they turned the corner when Yildiz was now introduced. There started to be a lot of goals. They were thrashing teams in the, in the Coppa Italia and that started to also show up in Serie A. They started to score more and more goals. Uh, I know this because I do a betting show and, and in the start of the season, my bet was always Juventus in under three. And now it started to be Juventus in over one and a half. <laughs> so it's just little things that you start noticing with how Juve had changed. Um, and Yildiz were, and had bought out the best in Blauvich, who had a ridiculously brilliant January. Um, and we talked about this a lot when we were going over sort of the um, Derby d'Italia's and the, the, the winning mentality that it takes. And I, and I do feel that this is what you get with kids is, is that you, you have these brilliant performances, but that ability to power through when you start to feel like your chance is gone, um, that resilience, if you like, is, is a difference maker, you know, like there was a part in, in the world cup. I don't remember which world cup it was. Um, it was, it, it wasn't the last one. I think it was in Russia and it was Uruguay was about to go out. And it was Jimenez at the back who plays for Atletico Madrid, started crying on the 80th minute. And Neville just destroyed, like he was just destroyed by the commentators. And I actually agreed with the destroying, <laughs> with this destroying of the player. Because you still had 10 minutes. It could be a cross. It could be an own goal. It could be a penalty. It was all possible. Fina but it was Lafina. the fact... 
Exactly. But it was the fact of the matter is, is he lost hope. And and this was the difference between these teams that never lose hope, like Real Madrid, who score three goals in stoppage time to defeat Manchester City or PSG or whoever it is. Or it's right now Juventus, who basically did a Napoli. They sat in the hotel room, saw that they beat Roma. What? Feel like Juventus you know, did a Napoli. I never thought I'd hear you say that. It oh, seems like that. Napoli's loser mentality. It is. It is. But you know what? It's fair to say that they showed up on that pitch without any, like, without any desire and mm. hunger and there was moments from Rabio had a moment Bremer had a moment but it just seemed like this was a, a side resigned to like let's see and, and like even when Kez is like running and it seems to me like he's just a, a yapping barking dog that's not really actually making the difference but looking like he wants to that's, he has a lot of talent but there's a lot I, there's a lot that I don't get with Keza. I don't get whether he's why is he so far wide? Like what is going on? Like is is this the, is this what he's being told to do or is he choosing to do all of this? You know, Milik there's no power through the middle. We needed Rabio to make the right runs into the middle which you know wasn't happening at this point because you've got your star attacker and like hugging the side taking can't even take any set piece. Like what is going on? You couldn't deliver a corner? Like this, this this, is the kind of stuff where where are the basics of all of this? And it was a game that we really needed Vlaovic and Yildiz. And the fact is, is that we had to start with Milik and Keza. And I think that's... Nikki, there's a footnote to that, isn't there? Vlaovic was, yeah. was injured, yeah. wasn't he? Yeah. yeah Vlaovic, Vlaovic was injured. injured. And, and you and, can't and keep benching Keza, right? Yeah. I, I, Keza is, is for sure getting to the point of, is this a problem for Juventus? It's, it's becoming somewhere between a mystery of what happened to this guy's talent and also a um a burden because mm. you're never going to stop people from talking about him you're never going to stop people from asking um what he's um what's happened to his career why he isn't delivering at the level we thought he was going to deliver at a year 2020 um or sorry after year 2020 when he was so impressive for Italy Mina and I have talked about this a few times I feel like down the years that sometimes we wonder mm. if he's almost better as an impact substitute than he is as a starter. And yeah. I think that mm. question still hasn't really been resolved for me. Um, but he hasn't played particularly well when he has started for, for Juventus this season. I do think when we talk about the defeat, um, sometimes um, sometimes it's easy to sort of build these big narratives about defeats. And sometimes the reality is, well, Juventus was still the better team in this game. Perhaps if you had Vlavic on the pitch, he sticks the ball in the net and you get a different outcome, right? And and that stuff is sort of the, the mundanity of football, I suppose. Like it's not always it's not always as complicated as we want it to be. Um Milik did stick the ball in the net, in fact, but it was disallowed um because the ball had gone out of play. Um Kiesa can't take a corner. Yeah, Kiesa can't take a corner. Uh I think I think it's it's difficult, isn't it? Um Clearly, losing that game against Inter is going to puncture your your self esteem. Clearly, those uh, the slip against Empoli is going to puncture your self esteem. And I think there was perhaps a little bit of on top of that when you come off a game like the one against Inter, you, it, it's not just about feeling deflated that Inter are pulling ahead of you. It's about taking an opponent lightly. Udinese had won two games all season, and perhaps mm. there wasn't just the same tension for Juventus as there had been. And I, I think you said it, uh, Patrick, I couldn't quite hear you clearly, but it is with Juventus, you want, you, you sort of expect the fino alla fine. And, yes. um, and 
that's kind of the only reason that Juventus were in this title race to begin with, in my opinion. Juventus were Monza, there were lots yeah. of late wins. It is, it is forcing, it's forcing the issue. They force the issue and they usually find a way. I mean, mm-hmm. it's never been stunning football. It's never been, but they forced the issue. And when they did it through Milik, I thought, well, they did it again. You know, there's yeah. this ability to force the issue. And I thought, you know, one more, it's, it will happen. But this is where I didn't see Juventus show up anymore. There was something, and I could see that in, in the way that McKenney was playing in Rabiot, because I think they're two players who really are perfect for trying to force the issue. And I didn't necessarily see that from them. I only saw it in certain moments, less from McKenney, more from Rabiot. Mm-hmm. And this is, I mean, and this was a game that Kostic wasn't playing. You know, like as in, like, <laughs> this is a game that I thought was so short. Like this should be excellent, but it is. I mean, I, but Mina, as devils as devils advocate, no, can you? Is there not an argument to say that yes, Juventus won with a last minute goal at Monza. Juventus beat Verona with a last minute goal. They won last minute with a last minute goal away at Salernitana. Is this not just that? sequence catching up with them that you can't always do it and sometimes you get the breaks and sometimes it goes against you and we've said it all season long Inter's expected goals mean that they can win games you know they can see two at Roma but they're able to score four to go on and win the game Juventus if they're not keeping a clean sheet they find it that much harder to win games apart from that very small period when we saw them banging the goals in in January no, Patrick, I can't lie. It's a perfect point that you make, you know. Yes. Um, is this just the... Is this <laughs> just... Up, please, producer Simon. I think we should just have that pinned to the uh, Serie A Chronicles Twitter oh, yeah, account. All right, all right, don't get cocky. <laughs> <laughs> Head to seriachronicles.com forward slash Patreon now and subscribe to the Chronicles Tifosi Patreon membership with a free seven-day trial. Get early access to every full-length episode and voice note before the rest of the world. Plus, all episodes are 100% ad-free. And you get bonus Patreon-only exclusive episodes, video episodes, and behind-the-scenes extras. Also, be sure to join the new chat community in the Patreon app and chat with fellow subscribers. Sports Social Podcast Network.